0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where we are going to break down a little TGFBI, a little Tower's, and most importantly, we're going to hit mid-tier hitters. Hitters 100 through 200 in ADP. You're listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Bo- Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you WinBet, starting right now. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, we are brought to you by WinBet. Thank you to WinBet for your uh, continued sponsorship. We are excited about this podcast. You know, spend a lot of time on mid-tier hitters, hitters in the 100 to 200 range in ADP on the NFBC. Uh, we'll start off a little bit of news at the top, and we'll look at our respective leagues and then dive into the, the, the meat of the podcast with the hitters in that range. But let's start off uh, a popular, popular at least in Roto-Wire circles, uh, closer candidate is no longer. Cody Hoyer uh, went uh, and had Tommy John surgery on his elbow, so... Jason Collette, I'm blaming you for my. I, I gave I was going to give you credit if you got it right, but now that uh, he's out for the season, I'm blaming James uh, J- Jason Collette because then his bold predictions article, he said he'd lead uh, Hoyer would lead the Cubs in saves. Obviously, that's not going to happen. No, I'm not blaming Jason, but <laughs> uh, I have my first cut in mixed labor, so there is that.
2: Hey, it's good to get that first cut out of the way, out of the way. I'm not even going to make a Cheryl Crow joke. It's good to get that first cut out of the way though, and. Um... I, I wasn't in on Hoyer in any circumstance. Actually, I haven't been in on any Cubs reliever, even Rowan Wick, who I did have some shares of last year. But I haven't I haven't gone to to that to him, even though he's Canadian also. But I haven't gone in that direction. Wow. Maybe maybe now I will, but I don't think so.
1: Such an unloyal subject.
2: I know he's from way out in British Columbia. Like I don't know, it's pretty far away from me.
1: Yeah, it's a a boot too far. A boot. All too right. Far. Yeah. Um. So yeah zeroed him out rowan wick is the leading candidate but i don't i don't want to lock it in that wick is the guy absolutely uh, be, not even yeah. if there's no clear identifiable alternative you know when you're looking at a team like the cubs it could be like brad week it could be Manuel rodriguez they could add other help off the waiver wire uh after you know they could co- convert a starter at AAA that's not getting it done there's so many different routes that they could take to to address this here and especially when last year they made they made certain pains not to identify anybody as the main closer yeah
2: yeah and i mean wick has a career 130 whip that just i mean some guys get away with that yeah if, if you're if you're kind of betting on someone to emerge as a closer like picking a guy with a 130 whip again now if you can get wick in like the last round of a typical draft or like well into the reserves of a draft champions sure that's it's fine right like like if once once the relievers that you like are all gone um and by relievers i like i would say everyone who i think has a decent chance at a closer's job and set up men who are really skilled once those guys are gone i would be okay with wick now pri- by then probably someone else in my league we'll have more enthusiasm for them and we'll have already taken them. But if uh, I would wait until like any of the Chad green types who are not going to close, but will just be good pitchers. I I'd put them behind all of them.
1: Yeah, I probably would too. For what it's worth. Wick went immediately uh, after the news came out today. Uh, <laughs> C.A. James, uh, he writes for Paul's in my uh, TG FBI league, took him at uh, 21.9. Uh, you can follow him at huge days on Twitter. Uh but uh, he he made that snag right away on that one there. So hey, there is news a little bit here and there. Um that and he acted on it right away. So you know what? It's a good pick for round 21. I think it's a good pick. Uh
2: I, I I'm not feeling it. I I I'm just looking at your draft board. I see Michael Fulmer went after that. I see Paul Sewald went after that. I, I think yeah, I just rather like have those
1: guys them. better, huh?
2: I just think they're better pitchers and probably i don't know aren't they just as i i feel like this cubs thing is just like an open tryout almost right now like i just don't feel like wick has that much of an advantage i guess he has 11 career saves i don't know maybe maybe i don't know i think like okay so that's where i'm at i would rather just take the better reliever like fulmer or seawald both of whom are on teams that don't really have This is going to hurt your feelings because you already took Giovanni Soto, but don't have like really good closers or anything on their teams. Yeah, I should have taken
1: Fulmer to go along with Soto, but I hate handcuffing.
2: It's It's, tough, yeah,
1: especially in a Fab League. I think in a uh, yes, I think in a draft and hold it makes sense a lot more. Uh, Also,
2: the expensive handcuffs are hard, and Fulmer at like you would have had to take him around twenty one, right? And like that's kind of makes to me like you're still getting good players. you know, without t- tipping your whole team, like you that you took Eric Lauer in that round, and then Lane Thomas in the next round, like those are valuable to me. Those are valuable draft commodities. Like round twenty nine, sure, but I to get a handcuff and just hold them till the end of spring training. But I don't, I don't want to spend my round twenty one or twenty two pick on a handcuff unless it's like Devin Williams and I. He's so good that I'd use him anyways.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 right. Um, I, I get that. Chad Green, you're probably going to use Jonathan Lewisigo, You're probably going to use. Newsflash: Both those guys are on my radar. I still will think about taking them. You know, I don't have like locked-in closers. I have like three guys, and I'm going to have to need more. I've got Soto, I've got Kimbrel, I've got Lou Trevino. I'm probably going to take at least one more spot, maybe even two on relievers. Uh, I think there's plenty of guys in a 30 teamer that you can still take in the reserve round. So, absolutely. That, you know.
2: and, and and they're and like you say, they're cuts. Like if after a week or two maybe even at the end of spring training their cuts and that's okay like there are going to be so many players at the end of spring training this year who we're interested in adding like once all these free agents sign and then injuries happen in spring training like more than ever before there are going to be so many people on that first fab run and you're going to need players to cut so yeah so in my opinion again like just pulling a name out of the air and I think I haven't I don't know if I drafted this person even in a draft champion yet but like Alex Colomay or Ian Kennedy, there's another one in the last yeah. couple rounds, they either have closers jobs on opening day, have signed on to teams where they get closer jobs or they haven't. And so you're either cutting them or you got a closer. It, yeah. but there's they're going to be guys that you want to pick up.
1: And not, yeah, there's going to be a lot more pickups and there'll probably be a lot more drops too. And yeah. you know, you want kind of the binary guys are either going to be <laughs> going to have a valuable role or not. you don't want to have guys that you're not quite sure about performance wise. Cause that, You'll have to if if, I think in those cases, you know, those are the ones you hate to hold on to and you hate to cut. You don't want to have to make you don't want to be put to hard decisions on those guys.
2: Yeah, I understand having like one of those guys, like especially from a hitter perspective, like I wouldn't like I don't I don't mind having like one of those guys on your bench. Um, Let's say like Joey Wendell, who has like no upside, but is fine. Like, he's not going to hurt your batting average. Probably going to end up the season with about 10 homers, about 10 steals. Like, there's nothing special about him. But, multi-position eligible. He already has a team. He's going to have a role. If you want to have one of those guys on your bench just to kind of cover you at the start of the year, so you're not totally relying on that first fabric. You're probably going to have an injury somewhere. I totally get that, but you're right. Like getting some guys who either you're going to be really excited about on opening day, or you're going to be saying, get this guy off my roster as fast as possible. I think that, I think that's more the play this year than usual. And I'm the boring guy. Like I think that's more the play this year than usual mm-hmm. because of all these unsigned players.
1: Yeah. I think you're right about that. Uh, one other news item, a uh, guy I had to zero out yesterday is cage. Uh, Kim. Uh, for the, uh, you know, formerly of the Cardinals, he is back in the KBO. He will not be pitching in the bigs this year. So, uh, you know, he, he wasn't bad last year. 346, 128. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys. Uh, only he had 21 starts. He had a great career uh, in the KBO. And in fact, he signed the largest guaranteed contract in KBO history doesn't have to wait for you know the lockout to end whenever he's back home he's making money and he's you know he doesn't have to wait he's going to play right away so big for him four-year deal he goes back so cross him off your list
2: I actually have him in a couple, at least a couple draft champions. It doesn't really hurt. I, he was picked in round 45 or something. Right. Um, so I took a chance. He, he, he was probably better in the majors than a lot of people realize. Like it wasn't in the majors long, 145 and two thirds innings, but a 297 ERA. So you know, a 122 whip, like he was someone who had, he signed. I know, I know the strikeout rates bad and that hurts him a lot in fantasy, but it was yeah. a little better last year for what it's worth. Not good, but a little better. Um, but he's someone in those draft champions, like had he signed with any major league team and had a rotation spot, he would have been worth having, but he's not. And right. so there's, it won't be my first cut, but there's my first zero player in those draft champions. So I won't be able to put in my lineup at all.
1: Yeah. If you were in wrestling, you could have cut him though. So there's there that, but you didn't play wrestling, Slam. So.
2: I did not, no. You I don't have get never, the privilege. I've never uh, had the opportunity.
1: You will not, f- you didn't really, you didn't get offered on that? or No, actually I never
2: have been. I, mean, I actually don't even know much about wrestling. So like the rules just, and I've heard they're funky and I heard they're fun, but I've, I don't know much about it.
1: Well, okay, I'll give you the brief overview. I, we just finished ours. I'm writing mine up. First of all, it's best ball. Secondly, it's points-based. Uh, so different than most of the ways mm-hmm. that you and I play. However, did you know seventy five percent of fantasy fantasy baseball players are playing in points leagues, at least at least according to ESPN's data.
2: I've heard that stat a few now. times. yes, yeah. in the last week or week or two. I I knew it was a, a good percentage, like more than half of people were playing. Yeah, I games. feel
1: like I'm Cliff Clavin here. It's a little known fact that. <laughs> you know,
2: Love yeah. Cheers. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. So uh, we're just old, basically, is what this comes down to. Fred is we were reared reared on uh, roto leagues, only leagues, Clavin. even. Yeah. And auction leagues and Cliff Clavin and Cheers. Yes. We're all references that uh, are very topical mm-hmm. to this day. Uh, but, you know, people that are coming over from football, they're probably playing more points. Leagues they are definitely playing more head to head. And that's cool. I mean, I just think we need to have more content towards that. So RASLAMS does well with that. They model the scoring off of the NFBC's cut line uh, contest there. So, you, you know, that multi-position eligibility is important. Hitters, the hitter build is so much more important in points leagues. Uh, the top 36 players last year were hitters, or at least hitters plus in the case of wow. Shohei Otani. Um, so that gives you an idea like how, how you're starting your draft. If you go pocket aces there, you're probably well behind. Uh, and the other thing is it devalues UT guys, obviously, uh, and, and increases the value of the multi-position guys, because then, you know, it can you can slide a guy right. in here and there. Uh, so... You see like DJ LeMay, he's got a little extra value in that league. As an example, Josh Rojas, where he goes second, third and outfield. That's really nice because you get through the three positions plus corner and middle. Uh, and so that's basically five slots that you can that The algo can put them in the, you know, the AI can put them into. Yep. That's pretty nice.
2: Oh, it sounds like a fun formula. I'm not actually not. I don't play in a lot of baseball points leagues, but I'm not against them. And I, i thought about that might be my mission next year. Yeah. Or dip during this lockout, depending on how long, although I'm getting a little optimistic today that maybe they're getting closer, but, um, but depending on how Let's long, goes, maybe I'll grab some best ball point leagues at, through the NFBC okay. or something and, and give them a shot because, because I love best ball fantasy football leagues. In fact, I love the ones that are just cumulative points. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I would totally enjoy them. I just have never really gotten into them because just like you said, world. We we started with Roto. We stick with Roto. All the industry stuff is Roto. All the main event type stuff is Roto. Um, but I, I think points leagues, yeah, are totally just as much fun. I don't yeah. love the I don't love the playoffs type thing. I'd rather I think I'd almost rather be in one that's a little more cumulative, but whatever. Yeah. It's fine. I, I I don't mind it in fantasy football. I guess I still don't love that aspect of it. I like how in a roto league, like kind of the best team wins. I don't love yeah. that in fantasy football when the guy who finishes, especially depending on how your playoffs are set up, but a guy finishes like fifth and then wins the league, um, like fifth I, during the season and gets hot for a couple weeks and wins the league. I don't really love that, but but I get it. It's fun.
1: Yeah, I, there is something to be said about crushing your rival. Um, yeah. Yes, but at the the flip side is that. Uh yeah, if you if you draw the bad bad week, it's tough. You know, baseball it's longer of a season though, so you get more of those head-to-head matchups. Plus, I think the best way to play head-to-head and I know that Towers wars has done this in the past is all play. So you're right. going head-to-head against everyone, but you've got 11 games, or 9 games in a week if you have a 10 team league, you get 9, you know, or in a 12 team league, you got 11 games. So a little bit different. So if you have a great great week and you're crushing it, well you're going to beat everybody. You're 11 to know that week. That's the, all all the better. Uh, So, you can still get that separation a little bit. You get, you know, that kind of takes out some of that luck.
2: Yep. No, that makes, yeah, that I get, I think I would like that better uh, Mm -hmm. for sure. It also made me think I do play um, through, I guess you wouldn't call it the NFBC in hockey, but I've been in the fantasy hockey main event um, for a couple of years now. And it's points and it's total points for the season. And I like it. I like it that way. It's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Cool to do different things there. Uh, for more, you can read Todd Zola's uh, Z Files. Uh, if you can check that out, rotowire.com/try. If you are listening to this and somehow are not a subscriber, you can rectify that. Get a free 10-day subscription. No credit cards required or anything like that. Just check it out for yourself. Uh, and you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and check out his discussion on points leagues, how the dis- the various systems differ, and then review what he did in his draft. So check that out, rotowire.com slash try. Fred, I lied. I am going to give you one more bit of news, and that is Max Muncy plans to be ready for opening day. Uh, The headline is more optimistic than the quote, though. Uh, The quote is, hopefully my elbow is ready for opening day. That was the plan, and we were on track for that. Hopefully it's not going to affect me too much being the lockout, but I can't answer that until we get out there. So seems to be on track. But again, it's, he didn't have Tommy John. So we don't really know for sure. He does have some UCL, UCL damage. We don't really know if he's going to be ready.
2: I'm going to leave him downgraded. I think after hearing that quote, um, yep, Me uh, yeah, I'm going to leave him downgraded. I, he's not like off my draft board or anything like that, but I'm going to want a discount of a few rounds from where I would take a healthy Max Muncy. If I'm, if I'm going to deal with this, because we're yep. going to have a small, we're going to have a brief training camp. Um, you know, I guess maybe if this, Labor negotiation drags on and on throughout March. Maybe I'll bump him up a bit. But overall, you know, he, he's going to have a small amount of time to ramp up for the season. The Dodgers are really good. Whether he's, like, ready or not, I could totally see him starting the year on the I.L., just to make sure because that feels like a dodgery type thing to do. And then, and then if the season's shorter and he has an IL stand, even if it's precautionary, that's a bigger percentage of the season. So the, it's like the longer the lockout goes, maybe the better chance he will be ready for the start of the season, but it also increases the percentage of the season. He misses if they just do a precautionary stint, just because of the fact that he won't have as many spring training weeks as usual. So yeah. I'm going to leave him downgraded.
1: I am too. I am Oh, for whatever number of leagues I'm in, in terms of getting Muncie so far uh or monthsied as the case may be if you uh, ever saw kingpin <laughs> uh you haven't have you i have not okay actually i
2: don't think i have wait i don't think i have
1: it's it's a fun little movie bill murray hams it up that makes it yeah. as a villain that that was yeah. pretty cool to see uh oh wait i gave it away no i did there was not a surprise <laughs> there there's nothing to give away uh but it, it was fine. Uh Or if you could go for Hudsucker Proxy, if you wanted to go with a Muncie reference, Muncie, Indiana. Where uh did you, did you see that one? A Cohen Brothers movie?
2: No, I don't think I've seen that one either. Oh, I'm nice. not a huge I'm not a huge movie guy. I'm about to get exposed here. Other than sports movies, well, I guess they don't
1: even Canadian. they show movies up there.
2: They they do make it up here about fifteen okay. years after they're released okay. in America. They eventually. Get up here um, once they've run through the Canadian Film Board a few times. Now, uh, I don't know. I'm just not. Well, I think it's because I'm always watching sports. But I, I'm a huge sports watcher. But I'm not because of that. I think I'm not. I'm not a huge movie watcher. We could make a long list of like really, really famous, popular movies that I have never seen.
1: You and Joe Sheehan could go head to head in that category. He,
2: maybe I, I mean I references
1: all the time. Yeah, do. maybe like it's just he's... me that I'm making references that are way too dated
2: too. <laughs> maybe maybe. I, it's, I'm not the guy who has like not watched any movies, but like there, like I said, there's a a lot of really popular movies that I've never seen and don't really have much interest in seeing.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Polly for the comedy. goes, this podcast takes me back to when I was 10. Our best buddy, Fred, invited us over for over the baseball talk, got to be loud for the adults. So the closet we go in hush voices, but no less heated. So <laughs> glad it, it, you, you kind of you, you see our chemistry here. So we like that. We appreciate you on that. Uh, before we move on and talk about our drafts, because it's what's more interesting than us talking about ourselves. Uh, we're going to give you a quick note from our friends at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's Fancy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with the user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's Digital Casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at rat. WinBet is currently available in nine states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wage you to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive po- partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Fred is doing the Tout Wars draft and hold draft. Uh, you are the defending, two-time defending in El Champ, but because you're a good dad and are going to a hockey tournament the weekend of Tout Weekend, you pivoted over to the slow drafted the draft and hold league. Uh, you are in the 22nd round now, Fred. How do you like your team?
2: Um, Fine. It, it's, it, it's, so it's, my second 15 team draft of the year after a lot of 12s. So that then mm-hmm. so you got to get your head around how bad your team's going to look compared to all those 12s. And then the on-base percentage, which as I mentioned last week, I love, but it does definitely throw a wrinkle into just assessing your team and assessing everyone else's teams. Like, there's certain players I took in this draft. Like, like I like Luis Arias, but I took him in round eight in this draft because he has a really high walk rate. And I like Robbie Grossman, but I took him in round nine in this draft because he has a really high walk rate. And I wouldn't take those guys in those rounds in a batting average league at all. Like, So there's guys who I've bumped up two or three rounds, and it feels weird. I took Mark Canna in round 13. Like, I wouldn't even – I wouldn't touch him in the first 20 rounds of – A batting average league but he's one of the better walk rates in baseball yeah and at that point in time i felt like that was something my team needs um i've tried to attack the on base percentage it's interesting if i could go back um to the beginning so i took trey turner in the first round which i felt awesome about and i still feel fine about it Uh, there were times during the draft where i passed up speed because i already had plenty of steals Um, because I started with Turner and story and then in the first, as my first two hitters. And then I had, I did pick up some other steals with Grossman and chipped away with some other guys. And so I actually passed up on base stealers who were at the top of my queue because I kind of needed other things more. If I hadn't just, it's, it's, um, if I could do it again, I might've taken Vladimir Guerrero in the first round instead of Turner and just banked like a 400 ish OBP guy. Yeah. But, But, but this is what I said that I love about the tout wars and the OBP drafts compared to the NFBC is there is no, there's no great playbook for it. Like there's no cheat sheet. There's no ADP when the draft started, I was kind of guessing, you know, what my league mates were going to do as far as to what degree they were going to chase speed to what degree they were going to chase on base percentage. Um, You know, were those, things it's just different you don't have an nfbc adp list to work off of so i tried my best to guess what they would do sometimes i was right sometimes i was wrong um i do think weirdly somehow the obp change it hurts some of the speedsters and then some of them fall fell i thought maybe even too far down the draft board but some of the time tommy Edmonds sat at the top of my queue forever and i just didn't take him because i didn't He's need
1: not that an obp guy yeah
2: yeah, but I like, had I started with Vlad, I would have been all over Tommy Edmond where he was taking because right. I felt like he was a huge value. But when you have Trey Turner and Trevor Story, you know, and Robbie Grossman, like it just it doesn't make sense. And and I didn't have that OBP anchor, like that 390 type OBP, 400 OBP type guy. So I was like, I'm not going to get involved in him when I already have my fair share of steals. But yeah, I was surprised. Akil Badu is another one, he lasted much longer way, way, way longer than he is in NFBC. And he's not that bad of a walker. Um, He lasted forever. And there's another guy who could get you 15 to 20 steals. So it's interesting. You can't go back and do your draft over again. You always have every draft. You have things that you maybe wish you had done a little differently. Like I like the team. I like the team, but there's definitely things that I would have done differently. And I, but I, I said that last week, I loved going into this, having no real blueprint for how people would handle an OBP league.
1: Remind me uh, about that doing things differently uh, concept when we start talking about my TGFBI team because I, I, I can I share that. Uh, it was funny James Anderson, uh, you know James and Clay are uh, no, I'm sorry uh, well, yeah, it was uh, James and Clay last Wednesday you know because tout started uh, last Tuesday. James mm-hmm. said he was thankful that you took Trey Turner so he could take Bryce Harper. Uh, who's just an OBP monster, obviously. Yeah. He didn't know what he was going to do. Well, I think he knew, but he, he didn't want to have to make that decision to pass on Turner, basically. Uh, he probably might have taken Vlad had you taken uh, Harper instead, for instance. He really wanted to take Harper in this spot. Whereas in a standard Roto League, you know, Harper's fine. In fact, I've seen him go six or seven, but he he's not nearly the monster he is in an OBP league.
2: That's right. Yeah. And, and when I first took Turner, um, you know, someone tweeted out, like, I can't believe you guys let Trey Turner fall to Fred all the way at pick five, like type of comment. And I still think Turner was a good pick at five, but I like, I had, I had Vlad ranked a little bit higher, but I did feel like when I picked Turner, my thinking was just having done a lot of drafts this year. If you get shut out on steals, there's really no way to massage that like later on in your yeah. draft. It, it, I felt like with the OBP that I could manage it throughout my draft, and I did. Like I, like I passed up on Tommy Edmond, um, you know, and and took someone in that area. I can't remember who it was, but I like for example, I kind of I got Anthony Rizzo in the middle rounds. I got I got Canna in the middle rounds. I made sure I didn't get a catcher. I took Christian Vasquez and Sean Murphy in rounds 14 and 17, so that I didn't have a catcher with like a horrible OBP. Because some guys are gonna have a catcher with like a 280. 290 OBP, those guys will at least be somewhere in the 300s so I, I felt like I'm kind of massaged the OVP along the way and I I was worried with the steals that if I could that if if they were gone they were gone and yeah. I wouldn't be able to find anyone without grabbing like really bad players
1: although this tout it tout oh wait no this is draft and hold it is draft not a
2: trading hold, that's right oh, you're I also felt out like the OVP that maybe I could manage it a bit during the season whereas if I just have no steals on my roster like I can't manage same that applies right
1: to the saves too, obviously. That's um, right. Which is yeah. another
2: tough one right now. Yeah. So I sure. have two closers. I took Jordan Romano in round five. I really liked that one. I took Scott Barlow for the first time this season in round 10 and I'm like lukewarm on that one. But I think that's how pretty much everyone is with their second closer right now, unless they go ahead and just, you know, Until- get two closers in the first five, six right. round.
1: Right. That's right. So- uh yeah, and uh, I think Todd Zola was standing and applauding uh, that, that Scott Barlow pick, though. He he really liked it, I'm sure. he set the, he, As he's joked before, I'm stealing his joke, he sets the Barlow. low. Um, this is something he does. Uh, and he, he often gets them because he doesn't want to pay for the premium closer. Uh, so th- it's interesting. By the way, Edmund went 12.1, for those of you who are looking for him there, uh, on the draft right. board, to Eric Cross uh, from Fantrax. Uh, so you took before that, you took Framber Valdez in the 11th round. So that was in Barlow before that. Uh, so you can see that was your adjustment. So yeah, he did fl- he did slip pretty far down below, below Chris Taylor, below Gleyber Torres. Those are both, well, I think they're both better hitters. Torre- Taylor strikes out a lot in Torres. We're not sure what happened to his power, but I think they'll both hit better than Edmund. Edmund still might run. Torres did run last year at least.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you look at some other guys in the preceding round, like Matt Chapman, he may not... I know he walks, but he doesn't hit for average anymore. Like, he may not have any higher of an OBP. Eugenio Suarez, same comment. So I I don't think... I, I think Edmund, I thought Edmond. Anyways, I thought Edmond was a really good pick there. If I had needed steals, I just wouldn't have taken Fran Rivaldes. Um, but I did have a plan to take a lot of pitching early because it's a draft and hold. So I did do that was intentional. So I have two, four, six of my first eleven picks are pitchers, and I and I don't regret that at all. In fact, wouldn't have killed me to even take one more in that range, but I, I kind of cut myself off there. And yeah. then since and then, I was kind that- of filling my my roster with hitters who should play fairly regularly.
1: Yeah, in fact, since then you've taken one one pitcher since the round 11 with Fran Brevetas. You took Anthony Desclafani in the 15th, who's a fine seventh pitcher. I like him quite a bit actually mm-hmm. for that price. Uh, and then you have to figure out when's the right time to step on the gas with the next round of pitchers, because you're probably going to have to take seven or eight or nine in, in, in pretty fast succession here. I know it's a 50-round okay. draft, but uh, you want to have guys that are usable at least that you with known roles so you're not kind of just guessing to see if you're going to be able to have anybody
2: that's right so i'm a little reliant on jacob de grom obviously to come through but hey whatever i took him in the second round and but i mean when you have aaron nola as your number two uh, like who's an ace and you have on most people's rosters and frankie montas who's a lot of people often will be people's number two and i have him as my number three so i kind of went very stars and scrubs with and i got the two closers so i kind of went to very stars and scrubs with my pitching staff. So you're right. At some point I'm going to need to start picking pitchers either like at a rate of a few in a row or at a rate of like one, every other round for several rounds or something to get some more pitching depth. But my plan, hopefully if it all comes together is that that high end pitching on my roster is so good that I can kind of play around with the last pitching spots every week. So, and then when I didn't take, when I took so many high end pitchers, the plan obviously now for hitting is to just, hammer away with the other teams in my league with depth and have, you know, a right. scenario where everybody in my lineup every week is, is getting me like five plus starts.
1: Yeah. And this is not to, for the, for the uh, people unfamiliar with tout wars, the draft and hold league. this, unlike brass Lamb, is not a best ball league. You're going to consciously right. have to make the decision who you're starting in every given week. So you're, you're still doing tout wars. That's a slow draft. Uh, and I am in TGFBI which is, also a slow draft and emphasis on slow too. Mm-hmm. Heyo, um, I am in the twenty second round as well. Earlier in the earlier in the twenty second round, just uh, but we started a little bit earlier than you, so that's that's the difference. But uh, in this league, I drafted from the 13th spot. We talked a little bit about this last week. Started off Otani, Burns, Merrifield, Bogarts. I passed on closers and you were the one that was urging me to pass on closers. I'm blaming you for this one here, Fred. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Unpaid draft consultant that didn't ask to be that, but Hey, you are nonetheless. So I had opportunities round five. I passed on two obvious guys and and Ryan Presley and Edwin Diaz. I would have gone Presley over Diaz for what it's worth and took George Springer instead. It's not an OBP league. Uh, It's a standard five by five. I just thought that Springer was still a great pick. Yeah, heads and, head and shoulders the best hitter at that time, but it cost me obvious closers. I could have gone and rolled as Chapman to the sixth, but I have reservations about Chapman. Didn't want to take him. In fact, Chapman almost got to me in the seventh round, one pick away. And I have kind of was like, oh, thank God I don't have to take him when he went because I would have taken him at 713 because I thought that was such a value, but I didn't really want to. I have serious misgivings about him this year.
2: Yeah, and the and we already mentioned those Yankees relievers. The problem with Chapman is you don't you can't hand, totally handcuff him because on it I can't honestly say that Laiziga mm-hmm. or Green would be the closer like, and you don't want to draft all three of them. So not in a,
1: a thir- not on a thirty man roster, no, no. Um, so and yeah, a even in a drafting slot exp- thing, I think you could do that, but
2: you, you could in a drafted hole, but Laiziga and Green don't go in like round forty five, so or forty, so it, like true you are spending like some decent picks on, on guys who will, if, if Chapman works out, just be set up men. Anyways, I, I think, and they go
1: back to back by the way. So you almost have to, yeah. du- you have to double up on them too. It's and, not and like then you, maybe you get, get a one little, early and one later. Yes,
2: yeah. totally. I yeah. thought, I think had Chapman fallen to you, you, I think you had to take him. I, I understand. Like I'm usually a don't draft guys. So you don't believe in, but I think at that point you would have, the value would have been too good. You probably would have had to take him, but but mm-hmm. he didn't, and it wasn't meant to be, and you took Bregman, and I think that's okay. And, yeah, so now you got Gregory Soto in round 11, Craig Kimbrell in round 12. So you're kind of crossing your – but you're like a lot of us. like with a lot And of Lou producers. Trevino
1: later, too. Don't and forget right. Smoke and Lou Trevino. Um, and I no. think that could be good, too. So between round those 17 three, that. yeah.
2: you know, your hope – I mean, maybe you strike gold and all three of them are closers, but you're hoping two out of the three are closers right? Yep. So, and maybe you end up dropping one and ends up being a waste of a mid-round pick, but whatever. If two of them are closers, you're fine. We, I think we, most people feel like Soto will get first shot in Detroit and Trevino will get first shot in Oakland. And most people think Kimber will get traded. So I think you've got a chance there.
1: Yeah, I think I do too. Yeah. Um, and I I will invest in a couple more, I probably two more slots on relievers, like the two Yankees that we, that were discussed. Clay is all about team Loisaga. Uh, if you look at a Statcast page, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's super strong. Um, I think there's some Seattle guys I like, uh, notably Steckenrider Rider still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just saw Seawald go. I think Giles is still available. I have to double check on that. Looks like I was a little, dis- I was a little disappointed. I lost out on Jake McGee. I thought he might slip a little bit longer cause I like him better than Duvall, but, uh, eh, so it goes to, you know, the team, the team that has Duvall got McGee, which is really smart. Cause yep. I think those are the only two really in San Francisco and they're going to be a good team.
2: Yep. I think that, yeah. Doubling up on them as long as you don't have to pay too much. Oh, I see them right here. Yeah. So Jake McGee was around 20. So. And Duvall either, went
1: late. Duvall went round 14. That's, 14, later than that's really good. So, yeah.
2: you know, I mean, you just cross your fingers that either one of them, Emerges as the closer or that they both pitch so well that they share saves, but you you're okay having them both in your lineup because they're both pitching like really, really well. And yep. you know, and you'll take it. But I mean, ideally one of them emerges as the closer, the other guy maybe you hold for a little while just to be safe. And then eventually cut, I think that's yeah. around 14, around 20 for, like you said, a team that should be a good team. I think that's, I think that's fine.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. And I got some other guys in there that I liked, uh, you know, I. I got Christian Vasquez in the 15th. I like him for a bounce Mm -hmm. back. Plus you're not getting a zero in stolen bases most likely, which is a a sneaky little thing too.
2: Yep, absolutely. I I think he, uh, he's someone who I have on many teams this year. I don't think he's going to be amazing. Um, Like I think his 2019 numbers are a bit of an outlier, but if he could just get back to hitting like 11 or 12 home runs and then you throw in a half a dozen steals, like, that's that's good. And he doesn't hurt you in batting average. And some years he kind of might help you. But even if he could be a 250 hitter, and Boston's always given him a pretty heavy workload. So, yeah, hopefully he plays well enough that he can keep that heavy workload. I think that's definitely a. I've taken him, yeah, somewhere in that round 15 range, I think several times. Is that your first catcher? It is, right?
1: Second. Second. Oh, that is your I,
2: second. Right. Grandall. Yes.
1: Grandall. Right. So I'm yeah. done. And good. so. Subsequent to me taking Vasquez, I see a gray sticker go up. I'm pretty happy because I'm done. Right. I'm not going to take a third catcher. Yes, and, and it, it's not a draft in the whole league, so there's no need for me to take a wasted roster spot on the third catcher. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, you know that that is. I mean, typically I am waiting to get that second catcher, so it's a little different for me. Mm-hmm. But I think I kind of like it. I uh, want to highlight one other guy, and that's Eric Lauer. I just got him in the uh, 21st round quietly he's becoming a source of strikeouts a little bit 20 mm-hmm. almost 24% K percentage last year. And he closed stronger than he started. You know, it's not great. It's not like he's, he's going to be a, a, just a, you know, a pure strikeout guy, but I, I, you know, this is a draft of an organization as much as it is the player too.
2: That's right. And if he, it, that's right. It's so, and if Lauer, so there's an interesting scenario here. So as long as he keeps that K percentage, So last year, he was basically a strikeout per inning 117 and 118 and two thirds. If he keeps that strikeout rate, if everything goes well for you, he continues to pitch really well, like he did last year, like be or be very successful, like he was last year, 114 whip. And his strikeout rate stays around a a strikeout inning. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. If his whip goes up a bit, it means he's facing a few more batters. The strikeout, as long as the strikeout rate on the percentage side stays the same, you know, maybe you get a guy who strikes out a decent amount more batters than innings that he pitches because he faces a few more batters. So there's a couple ways this could go as long as he doesn't really bottom out. I think it's a fine pick. You took him one round after Andrew Heaney. That is definitely a pick based on the organization.
1: Oh yeah. And, and, and it's that, the and strike a strikeout out, upside yes, too.
2: And the strikeout yeah. upside. That's right.
1: Yeah. That, that was the, that was the goal in that one there. Um,
2: the potential for Heaney is really high. We'll know pretty quickly, probably whether the Dodgers have found something or not, but the potential is certainly, he's also, he's never been a bad whip guy. He just gives up a ton of home runs and, right. and has a high ERA. He's never been a terrible whip guy. His career's 126. That's manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a lot of potential there. And I love your round 22 in Lane Thomas. I think that's really, I think that's a good fit for Lane Thomas. I'm not like totally sold on him that he's definitely going to be awesome, but I think there's that Nash which is box. why
1: he's around 22 guys. And yes. he's batting lead off, or at least did bat lead off yes. for the Nats last year. I was debating between he and Raphael Ortega for that pick.
2: I like, I think I like Lane Thomas.
1: I do too. I, I did um, too. Obviously, We did. I did.
2: Um, yeah. I don't know. Lane Thomas, he can hit a homer. He can steal a base. Um, he, I don't think he maybe is a guy who should be, end up in a platoon, but he probably won't because I don't think the Nats I'm kind of down on the Nats this year, just as from a lineup perspective. Like, I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to uh, like to have that kind of a depth roster. So maybe he's the, the, the downside of lane Thomas is last year. He hit one, even though he was kind of effective last year, he hit 178 against righties. So, like, he yeah. can't have a leadoff hitter if he hits 178 this year against righties. Like, he can't be the leadoff hitter in the line against righties. Questioning me in the lineup, his career against righties is 183. So, again, not a huge career, but that that's the downside. He's got to be able to be passable against righties to stay at the top of the lineup or at least in the lineup against them. But I think there's some, again, like, with where you're talking in the draft, there's some good potential there. I mean, his time with the Nats 45 games, he hit 270, 853 OPS seven homers four steals like i think i think it's a really interesting pick
1: yeah i think so too yeah. um and i took him like i said over ortega and i took him over abraham torah who of course went immediately after that in the next pick so oh, i
2: want to ask you about one more before we leave your team because okay. i know you like talking about your team and everyone likes hearing about it but i think of this course, is good right? stuff some of these players talk to me about luke Voigt, because he's someone who i have zero shares in but i'm interested in so where do you see the pathway here for Luke Voigt? Is that that the Yankees don't add anyone and he's their first baseman?
1: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or like if they trade for Matt or Olson, Voigt's yes. probably going back. You know, okay. the, the way he loses and the way that this pick, the milk goes bad on this one, is if they sign Rizzo back. You know, and then he goes back to playing. And then he's a platoon guy. I will get another corner infielder for sure. Um, you'll notice he's not my first first baseman. Uh, But I I just – he's got 30 30 to 40 homer potential. And Do you Uh, think if
2: they sign Rizzo back, there's a chance maybe they trade Voight? We're just running out of time, I guess, for all these moves. But that, to me, would be a sensible move. They just – right? Like, I know there's – Yeah, we're
1: running out of time before the start of the season. But, you know, you can make trades in – real-life teams make trades in season too. So – you know, I, and I feel like you're going to see more of that because of the compressed spring training, because of the, you know, just the lack of time and the lack of offseason. Uh it's going to be just a cannonball run for
2: a while. Oh, And, and let's be serious. There are trades that have been agreed upon, right? Like right. over the last two or three months, there are GMs who have talked and have said, and there are trades and there are things that have been discussed behind the scenes. And there, there may be a team that already knows that, you know, as soon as this thing ends, the Yankees are going to put out an offer to Rizzo. And if he takes it, the Luke Voigt trades happening within the hour. So do you
1: think also that they've been in contact with agents sur- surreptitiously or is the, is that relationship so sour they can't risk it?
2: It's a great question. I would say that they probably, I, okay, maybe I'm naive, but I would say they probably haven't been in touch yeah. with them. That being said, they knew the locket was coming. So I feel mm-hmm. like they made sure they touched base with those agents before. Like, I'm sure a lot of business was done like informally right before the lockout maybe where t- maybe a team like the Yankees touches base with Rizzo's agent and says you know we're interested we want to see where this lockout goes and where the numbers end up but you know expect to hear from us as soon as the lockout ends so they've kind of already planted that seed and, and have the agent ready I, I feel like that probably went on but I don't know I, I agree I think the the relationship so bad right now I don't think many front offices would be comfortable talking to free agents.
1: Right. And all it takes is one leak to really diminish that. And for that matter, there's jealousy between different agents. So like one will get upset that another one's not being talked to. So yeah, you're probably right. Probably that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Just worth, yeah. And I'm wondering if trainers and and medical people are talking to injured players on their respective teams, because that's crazy if they're not, but I
2: could see, I think that is probably, I would, I would guess that that's happening. Yeah. Just trades, quietly. I mean,
1: trades absolutely are happening because that helps both sides. I mean, it helps. You know, it's management with his with management. That's just
2: management talking to management. Hey, when this yep. thing's over, right? Would you be interested in this? Right? That's easy for them to do. Yeah, exactly. Or if yeah. we can sign this guy, I think some of them could even be contingent. Right? Like, yeah, you know, when the when this is over, we're gonna try to get a shortstop. If we can get a shortstop, we'd like to flip you this guy. You know, are you interested? What would you give me back? Okay, we'll talk about this. You know, as soon as the lockout ends, let's just end this lockout. We can make all these moves. it will be so fun for a few days right away.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I am watching. I, I, I've i got a side eye on Twitter every once in a while, waiting to see if they, they've come to a deal. I I promised. I If it's breaking news and it's bad, I'm not going to announce it on the podcast. You'll find out soon enough. But if it's good, of course, I'm going to break it here on Absolutely. the live stream. But yep. uh, anyhow, we're 40 minutes in. We still haven't had mid-range hitters. We're going to take let's care of it. some business real quick. Uh, this will take about two minutes, and then we'll just. Finish off with mid range hitters. Uh, first, I want to hear from our friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. One, Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Thanks to our friends at Thrive. We also had a new sponsorship this week. We want to uh, welcome the folks from Better Edge. Do you think your betting skills are good enough to win you tickets to the final four? It's time to put your money where your mouth is. Better Edge is giving away a trip for two to the Final Four in New Orleans. All you have to do is join their contest at betteredge.com Final Four. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com Final Four. Better Edge believes sports betting with no fees should be the norm. And odds are it's legal in your state. Check it out and enter their March Madness contest for a chance to win a trip to the Final Four. Head on over to betteredge.com Final Four. Once again, that's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash Final Four. Terms and conditions do apply. Finally, as always, we are on the Blue Wire Network of Podcasts, so we're going to share a note from our friends from the Blue Wire Network.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: hosting all of our podcasts here in wire We have a ton of podcasts every week, not just baseball where we do five podcasts a week, but we've got a dynasty football podcast had an immediate reaction to the Russell Wilson trade, in the NFL hoops we've been all over, especially trade deadline was crazy. So lots of stuff to check out soccer, MMA, you name it. We cover it here on Rotoir in verbal form as well as audio. So, all right, we are going to switch from our respective leagues and, and move on over to talk about hitters that are in the mid-range, mid-range hitters. And, you know, we'll start off uh, with a couple of uh, listener uh, suggestions here. First, uh, we got a lot of people that want to know about Ryan Mountcastle, Fred. ADP for Ryan Mountcastle is 111, but his results are all over the map. In my TGFBI league, he was one of the earlier picks. He went at 85. Uh, Brant, Brant Chesser from Baseball HQ uh, said he went at 160 in his. Steve Brun said 143 in his. What are your thoughts on Ryan Mountcastle?
2: So I haven't selected Mountcastle in any league since the news about the fences yep. um, being moved back at Camden Yards. I think I did grab him in an early January draft and hole before that news came in. Um, I, I, he, I don't know. He's an interesting guy in that like he strikes out a ton, So like he has to hit for power to be valuable. Um, He did pick like he got better as the season went on. He's young. He's at a like in that growth phase. I still have him penciled in for 30 home runs. I wonder if that's a little aggressive. I will say though, having him penciled in for 30 home runs, I still haven't got him in any leagues. Like in my last like six, seven drafts, I haven't drafted him in any leagues. I find myself, in a, in picking up some guys who I've maybe ranked similarly, but I like the multi-position some guys like Luis Arias, DJ LeMay, Jake Cronenworth, Ty France, I've been taking some of them over him. I think yeah. maybe sometimes when it is time to pull the trigger, I do remember that the fences have been moved back. So maybe I need to bump <laughs> that 30 Homer projection down a couple, just right. a couple. I'm not bumping it down to like 23 or something like that. Like, like I moved it the down to
1: 25 back. is what, that was my, that was my, uh, adjustment.
2: I don't think I'm going to go that low. I'm going to look at um, just pull quickly pulling up how many of those homers he hit at home. So he did hit 22 of them at home last year. I don't know if you take off five of the 22, that would still leave him with 28. I don't know if that, if that's fair or not. He just turned like he, like he's someone who just turned what 25 years old. So, I mean, it's also reasonable to assume that his power numbers should his power skills should stay consistent or could even improve. Yeah. over the next year or two he does get yes he got four steals last year so he's not a total zero like you could project him for i think i have him for three but it sounds
1: like you're talking yourself into him
2: though. i never draft him i think that's a part of the draft where his part of the draft is where i'm often taking pitchers um a lot of the guys that you and scott talked about yesterday um like whether it's luis garcia or sean mania chris bassett um, for Amber Valdez, who I just took in that tout league, I'm often taking pitchers in there. Um, Tyler Malley, who I never seem to get, but I'm interested in. I know you're not as interested in him as I am, and that's okay. Um, or I'm taking those multi position guys instead of Mount Castle because that's a nice range, like I said, where there's a few guys in that range in drafts who could get you two or three positions. And that's maybe just a, if you don't have some multi position guys by then, it might be nice to at least get one. So between those two things, I just never end up with Mount Castle. Um, yeah, but but I'm not. I'm I'm gonna have a higher projection than than your Homer projection. Like I like I said, like I'll probably I should move him down a bit, but I'd probably be in the high twenties. But that never seems to get him. But as you're as you're noting from people sending in uh, their tweets, the range with which he's getting drafted right now is pretty great. So if I do rank him competitively, if I did enough drafts, maybe he falls closer to pick 150 in some of them and 160, and then I get him. I don't know. He I don't think I'm gonna get him again this season.
1: I'm pulling up. His, I'm gonna show you his. His, uh, stat, his stat, his Statcast page here, mm-hmm. um, and Max exit velocity is great. Mm-hmm. Todd Todd Zola often talks about that, and mm-hmm. uh, and he likes that. Average exit velocity is forty fifth percentile. Average the hard hit percentage is forty is a forty first percentile. So it, it's weird when he barrels it, when he gets it, he gets it, but he doesn't always get it
2: which is also why he strikes out so much right is that he doesn't always get it so yeah he he's got to be someone who's going to be negative and the other thing with guys like Mountcastle that I guess it's been talked about but I haven't heard it talked about too much is we talk about we talk about the individual Orioles who will be impacted by the fence moving back so people jump on the right-handed hitters him and Austin Hayes um, who I also Mancini. seem to have rank. Him- Right. So yeah, Santander. So I seem to have all these guys ranked competitively, but never really get them. I I have gotten a little bit of Santander, but, um, but pretty late, like rounds like 27, 28. um, And I'm not thrilled about it. It's fine. Anyways, what we never really, what I don't hear talked about much is just the, the RBI and run totals from the entire lineup. Right. Right. So if this is going to cost each of these guys, a few home runs, or then it's going to cost the team some runs scored, which is going to cost some runs scored for other players as well, because someone's yeah. be standing on base when they hit some of these home runs. So, so I don't hear that mentioned much that it could cost Cedric Mullins some runs scored, but it will.
1: Yeah, it, it, it certainly will.
2: Yeah, and um, I've cooled, I haven't cooled on Mullins at all, really either. But I have zero shares. I ha- again, he I have him ranked competitively, but sometimes when it comes time at the last minute to take him. I'm, I think of that and I'm like, ah, uh, maybe I'll take someone else's
1: time. I've got Mullins once so far. I will say, you move the fences back, it should increase batting average because that's yep. more ground to cover. Uh, yep. But unless it's someone that has, has a lot of launch angle, in which case those are flyouts, which are just death for a batting average. So, hey, you know, but anybody that's a line drive hitter, they're actually going to probably benefit a little bit in terms of batting average. Uh, just, But I would say... You know, the home run hitters, uh, the fly ball hitters are going to get hurt. I want to highlight one other thing, and that is uh, what Mountcastle did against fastballs last year. Really crushed fastballs, slugged 576 against them last year. Uh, 22 of his homers came that way, nine against breaking balls, two against changeups. Got to think, everybody else can read that sort of data. He's going to see fewer fastballs this year. Now uh, he's kind of more of an established as a big league player. How does he adapt to that?
2: Yeah, and this is that phase in his career, right, where mm-hmm. you know, he's got one full season under his belt. And like I said, he I mentioned briefly, he got kind of got better as as last year went on. I can't say that he like totally like got better, but his second half OPS like like when I go when I go, go month to month, like his September OPS wasn't really high, but his second half OPS is 100 points higher than his first half. He had eight homers in August and another eight in September. Um so he was a guy who even as pitchers were getting the book on him last year was able to continue to have plenty of success. But yeah, this is that time, that sophomore year where, you know, pitchers are going to be more ready for him this year. Either he can handle that and maybe a little different mix from pitchers and maybe even go to another level. Cause he is still at that, in that phase of his career, or maybe they start to battle back on him and maybe this year he hits two thirty. That's that's the concern because of the high strikeout rate.
1: Yeah. RL Cohen with one other note and we'll move on to other hitters uh says Mountcastle's ADP hasn't fallen since the news of the field dimensions and, it, and John Means's ADP has not gone up. And even though I'm amplifying that tweet right now, I want to say shh don't say that so loud man. Uh I want I want more means on my rosters. Uh but I I I I'm big on John Means with the, the park changes. He got destroyed by that park last year.
2: So interesting, I passed on Means in that Tout draft just a couple days ago for Anthony Stefani. I don't know how I feel about that. I have them ranked like basically the same. Um, I have some concerns with means of just about getting wins on a team. That's just really, really, really bad in a division mm-hmm. where the other, t- I don't usually worry about wins much, but Baltimore is the one team that's really, really bad. And like the blue Jays, red Sox, Yankees and Rays could are all good. So yeah. I didn't like, I, that's the one team I worry about, but I, I agree with you. on Means. like means is great for your whip. Like throughout his career, he's been great for your WHIP. If his ERA could be a little better, you know the strikeout rate's not good, but if his ERA could be a little better. I have a theory that maybe his ADP hasn't gone up because I feel like there's people who like John Means and then people who just don't. And I think the people who liked him already liked him before they moved the fences and still like him. And then, but the other people. There's people who just seem to like he because of the high ERA sometimes and the fly balls and the home runs. There's some people who just don't, and the want Baltimore anything. factor. That's right. And there's some people who just don't want anything to do with them. So maybe that's right. maybe that's the best I can come up with because his ADP should have moved up.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you're probably like he should be right worth it at that.
2: least around more than he was before that news came out.
1: Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Um, Brandon asked, would Brian Hayes be worth a pick at a weak position? What are his chances to get to like 260, 60, uh, 260 20, and 15? So Brian Hayes, uh, if, if you uh, his ADP right now, and this is from February 1st on in NFBC Leagues, is 129 That's a pretty reasonable price. I, I'm kind of in on him. Again, the team context isn't good. Same thing that it applies to Mountcastle applies to Hayes. In fact, maybe even worse because it already is kind of a tougher ballpark to hit and it's already a worse lineup. Although we'll see maybe Baltimore's lineup wasn't so great now that they don't have the full Camden yards effect.
2: That's right. Yes. That that's totally a possibility Uh, with Hayes. um, Like I, I'm, I'm fine with him. My projections of him are a little lower than what, than what we were given. So Mm -hmm. I have him right now about 16 homers, about 13 steals, 260 average, though, I'm there with that. Um, That, I have zero shares of him at that. There's just other hitters that I like more. I mentioned some of them already. Um, So I'm just not quite there with him. There's even someone, say, like an Andrew Benintendi, who's always available way later, who combined homers and steals, I have basically the same as Hayes. But I do know that Hayes has that extra upside. Um, Hayes is someone who could really go in a lot of different directions this year because last year he was hurt. He missed a lot of time, and and it was a wrist injury, which is obviously going to be a big problem, right, for a hitter. I think that really didn't like didn't give him a chance to show his skills. But I, I think I'm going to end up with zero shares of him. I think he's being overdrafted a little bit right now. If he fell hmm. in a draft, though, I almost took him in my Tout Wars draft. Like he fell to the point where he was at the top of my queue, and then someone took him like within three picks of me, and I was that close to taking him. That would be my first share of him because he does have an okay walk rate. Um, I, he would have to fall more to probably like the 160s or something before I'd want him in a draft. Maybe I've drafted
1: Cabrian Hayes once so far. If uh, if, he,
2: if I do enough drafts, he might. I just don't feel him at like 120, 130.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, and that's a range. And you know, I'll pull up the uh I'll share the the ADP uh, screen again there, and you can kind of see. Uh, this is just again. This is from February uh, February first, ongoing. Uh. His range is 103 to 176. Uh, Average is 137 uh, is the pick, but he's like the 129th ranked player, but the average pick is 137. You know, as you get lower, the average pick kind of climbs a little higher. Uh, What I like about Hayes, uh, Brian Hayes, is that he runs. You don't get that from third base too often. We talk about it at the top end with Jose Ramirez, how we like building with Jose Ramirez as a first pick because you're getting you know, elite production in all five categories, possibly from a, a weaker position. Third base is pretty weak. Uh, you get a, a guy that in Cabrera and Brian Hayes that I have him for 14 stolen bases in my projection. That might be a little strong. Uh, but what if, if it's only 10, that's not still, that's still not killing you. Uh, that's still not bad. Mm-hmm. He's third baseman 11, uh, behind LeMayhew ahead of Justin Turner and Luis Urias, who I know you have in town wars, mm-hmm. uh, Turner, you know, he's coming off of his injury zone, not to mention just a career full of them. Uh urias is coming off his career year, uh, and also is uh three has three positions of eligibility. Uh so that that once that's one point in his favor, at least.
2: I, I think with Hayes, those are the selling points. Um he steals bases and he steals bases as your as a third or a corner. So if you fall, so for some builds, he could make a lot of sense. Like if you've fallen behind on steals. And you're thinking of ways to make it up. One of the ways you can make it up is to have a corner or third baseman who steals about 15 bases. And because now you can still grab some guys later who are outfield or middle infield who can get you some steals. One of the worst positions to be in is that position where it's about round 15 and you're thinking, oh, I still need more steals. I'm behind on steals. Okay, what positions do I have left? Oh, third, corner, catcher. Right. And you're like, well, I'm not going to make up any steals in any of those spots. So I think that's his selling point. And the third base isn't very good this year. So that's where I find I'm taking a Um, or I'm just waiting on third or maybe I already have a third baseman. But if you're if you're into that round 10 range and you don't have a third baseman and you're a little light on steals, I could see him. I could see him fitting.
1: Yeah. Uh, two more things on Hayes and we'll move on. One, the wrist injury is a big thing last year. Yeah. You know, I think it's a big write off on the season. Because it lasted a long time, and often you see when players come back from hand and wrist injuries, they struggle. They struggle to hit for power. Counter-argument is he's never really hit for a ton of power, even in the minors. The one time he hit for any sort of power was like when he finally got called up in 2020 in a brief sample. He was hitting for a whole lot more power than people expected, and that was uh, 2020 is weird. So you could write (laughs) that off to a certain extent. So, no, he could get... 20 22 homers or he could have seven you know there there, there's there's a lot of different outcomes with kip ryan hayes uh i think i'll have him in a couple more places where i get shut out early because i mean i i don't like Mondesi for the price i have gotten bregman before i'm okay with rendon all the latest update on him made me kind of step back just a little bit but i when i have to fish in this range he's one of the better options i think
2: Yeah, I I can see that. As I said, I have no problem, yeah, with someone taking him, but I I also don't think it'll be me.
1: One more, and then we'll uh, kind of move on. And, you know, we're going to have to hit more of these range of hitters in a little bit because uh, I have to go do the Tout Wars broadcast on SiriusXM, the Tout Wars 15-team mixed league draft, which begins at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So got to have a hard out on this one here. Uh, Ryan Roof says, there are very few hitters I like in the 130 to 160 range. It's a dead zone for me. I want little to do with Taylor, Kelnick, Meadows, Muncie, Adelise, Mancada, et cetera. I just tend to push up the hitters behind them that I like. Are there anyone from those mentioned that I look should look harder at?
2: I'm pulling up this tweet right now just to make sure I get, get the full list. Here, we, here it is. Um, no, 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 no. I don't like any of those guys either. <laughs> <laughs> Versus their ADP. Do you?
1: um like i may be okay with
2: taylor
1: i'm stevens is a little early if i get him later I, i'm fine taylor's the strikeout rate scares me and i think yeah you, you know the thing about him is about chris taylor is yeah he, he's probably locked into one position more likely this year but he already kind of maxed out on playing time i think you and i even talked about that before
2: yeah Yes. Nope. I, yeah. I think from all, the, I think I might have one share of Muncie and none of everybody else on that list. Like I'm not ready to do the Kelnick thing again. I think Moncada is overrated, but I did mention yeah. some hitters like, well, are we, and we might talk about more about these next week because you have the Towers wars draft in Cause we don't really need to make a two hour podcast right now. But um, I, I think there's guys in that range that like I, like, I think Brendan Rogers is in that range, isn't he?
1: Like if you have the ADP
2: list right in front of you, I think he's kind of in the range Ryan's talking about.
1: He's at 158. So at the yeah. back end of that he's range, right in yeah. that
2: range. I, I think he's an interesting guy. He's someone I don't have a lot of shares of either, but I like him.
1: I'll like tell you what. A- I like the two players that sandwich him better. Hunter Renfro and Ahmed Rosario.
2: I like uh, them both too. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm on all three. I think Rogers is interesting because he's a Rockies player who hit really well on the road last season. Didn't hit great at home. Well, the home thing's going to correct itself. Like that's going to happen. He's going to hit better at home. So yeah, if, if he's that. someone who's legitimately good enough to be okay on the road, now we're really looking. And I think Rogers he's not going
1: to be okay on the road. No, because it, it's not just the skill. It's also the adjustment. Right. Uh, I, and that, that's the thing that gets these guys, uh, it's not the rhythm that's going to get him it's it's sea level that's going to get him and the adjustment but uh uh you did get that reference i saw you notice that but uh you know that that when you're old one. enough to get uh,
2: well, he so last year yeah he had an 873 ops on the road and a mm-hmm. 723 at home unusual it'll probably just flip this year um but if he's even passable on the road i think rogers can be an interesting build guy if you're good with steals cuz he's going to get you like none So if you're, and that's a middle infielder, that's tough. But if you're good with steals, but maybe needing some batting average, I think he's a fit. Um, Rosario is the exact opposite, not exact opposite because his average can be okay. But if you need steals and a shortstop, I think he's a nice fit. I think if you need power, I I like Renfro in Milwaukee. I think that's a good fit. So I think there are options there. Yeah. Just not the ones that Ryan mentioned. Right, right. So, so, pass on all those, Ryan, and think. Yeah, think about. I some have of the other
1: one guys. league with Meadows. That was mixed labor that you and I did together, and I got yep. him after that range. I got him at like round 12, eleven or twelve. So, yeah. and bottom, it's it's close. Louis Urias, Alex, Alex Verdugo.
2: In. What's his ADP on on your list there? He's, He's right in him. there. He's
1: at one fifty five. So, yeah. let's, I just did a thing on AL East guys that I'm not getting, and I don't think I think one fifty five is still early for Verdugo. My thing with him is. I think he's a rich man's Michael Brantley. I think he doesn't give you a whole lot of power or, you know, he gives you a little bit more speed than Brantley, but the reason you're getting him is to try to get batting average and maybe counting stats. But I think he often hits, he doesn't even get the category juice. He doesn't get the RBIs for instance, that Brantley will get. I could be wrong about that instinct. I, but my point is I you're paying like twice the cost that you're paying for Brantley too. You're paying, Yeah, I want someone that either runs more or hits for more power for 155.
2: Yeah, so I feel like with Verdugo, so he's someone who, again, should still have his best season somewhere to come. Like, he turns 26 during this season. And and injuries have interrupted him a bit. Although he did play 53 games in the strike-shortened season and then 146 last year. So I guess I shouldn't say that totally. Um, If this is all there is to Verdugo, like, he's just, like, a 290-300 hitter yeah, like you said, he's going to get you about five steals and a dozen homers. That is not great <laughs> in the pick one fifties. He's a really, really reliable guy. I like the Brantley, not peak Michael Brantley, but almost like current or recent Michael Brantley comparison. Uh, maybe not, maybe better than current, but not mm-hmm. about the same as what, like Michael Brantley a year or two ago. Um, right. There's not much – he's a really high floor play. If you need some batting average at this point in the draft and maybe you want to get more outfielders, he's a really high floor play. He's in a good lineup. The cumulative runs in RBI should be solid. The batting average will be helpful. But you're right. Like To have him justify that pick, 155, Like we've got to see the home runs go up at least – Agreed. To 17 to 19, something like that. At least. Yeah. Right? So he's not going to steal more bases. We're not, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to be like, Hey, Verdugo stole a dozen bases he's, last he's year. He's not getting
1: would, younger. He's getting older. Yeah. Say, I would yeah. be
2: surprised if he stole, if he stole a bunch of bases. So yeah. we need to see closer to 20 home runs with that. Then I would be interested.
1: Yeah. We're going to close with a question from Mark Carr. He goes, y'all mentioned Moncada, Any thoughts on him for dynasty? Uh, he thinks he's ranked too high because of agent potential. Uh, what do you, what are your, th- your cumulative thoughts on Yon Mankata, except you got to accumulate those thoughts in a minute.
2: I a hundred percent agree. He is ranked too high in dynasty yep. and in, uh, you know, I one agree. year leagues. Um, I'm just not, maybe it's still coming. He's, I don't know. He, he's what turning 27 early in the season. Maybe it's still coming, but he had the one great year where he had a really high BABIP, 406. That is ridiculous, that mm-hmm. 406 Babbitt. Other than that, in his career, he's pretty much consistently a low average guy. He hasn't had an 800 OPS in any other season. He doesn't steal many bases. I've said a lot of negative things about him. Maybe he's a nice guy. I don't You're know. You're a hater. But- in fantasy used i used to
1: eat like crap i mean i like i liked, exactly I liked Moncada but,
2: when he was like a prospect i was excited about his steals potential remember yeah. how many bases he stole in the minors oh, yeah. i do Guns. remember i thought this was gonna be a guy who would be a consistent 30 steel guy in the majors his career high is 12 so oh, yeah red
1: Sox fans remember because he was like the big yeah. you know big Three investment
2: steals last year like if you had told me when he was coming up getting close to the majors that in his whatever age twenty six season last year's age twenty six season he was gonna get three steals and play one hundred and forty four games. and get three steals. Well, zero
1: attempts in twenty twenty and fifty two games yeah. too. Now he had so, COVID that year, and he said he didn't have the same energy. Maybe he's a long hauler. Regardless, I mean he's two yeah. thousand nineteen 2019 sticks out like a sore thumb. It is the outlier at the big league level,
2: and that, everything and else that, and has and
1: been OPS in the seven hundreds. You know, yeah, and, was, and,
2: it, and it's so easily explained with the four hundred six BABIP, like.
1: Yeah, and the, the happy BABIP. fun ball too. By that's the way, that's
2: right. That's right. So that's why he hit three hundred and fifteen. You take that Babbitt and normalize it. You know, he's hitting more like he did last year, two hundred and sixty-three, and not even that was a three hundred and fifty Babbitt. Although he's shown that he can be a bit of a high Babbitt guy. But yeah, you know. But he, again, like you talk about, like Alex Verdugo, like Yoan Moncada, you're getting the same similar homers and steals to Verdugo, and then but you're instead of getting the two hundred and ninety average, you're getting the two hundred and sixty average. Yeah.
1: I so think that's right. I'm
2: not interested in him at all.
1: Any parting thoughts before we sign off for today?
2: I am going to get off this and I'm going to have a quick dinner and then I'm going to get this towers Wars mixed draft fired up. I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to compare it to the one that I'm working on right now. Maybe I'll get some good ideas in the late rounds.
1: All right. And you'll hear me blabbing on that one too. Although I take a, I'm also doing a podcast uh, tonight too. So from the 66 to seven hour, I will instead, uh, I will be uh, on, on a, on the uh, On The Wire podcast, uh, which is okay. uh, part of the Pitcher List group there. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but you can tune in. Uh, you can hear uh, myself and Glenn Colton, uh, Kyle L. Frank and Jim Bowden will be on that po- uh, the SiriusXM bod- uh, broadcast of the Taut Wars draft. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you to uh, all your good questions. I love the responses we get. Of course, thanks to WinBet for your sponsorship. We got uh, tomorrow, we've got Clay and James. On Thursday, I've got Lenny Melnick and Andrew Lamont joining me. And then Friday got Clay and Todd. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.